Welcome. This is Mind the Shift, a podcast about a shifting world and shifting minds. We take many features of our society and our societal matrix for granted, like nation states, a justice system, and money. Imagine a world where one or more of those age-old templates weren't needed. My name is Anders Bolling, and I'm your host. My guest today is Colin R. Turner. He is a Dublin-born musician and social activist. Since about a decade ago, he has dedicated his time to advocating an open economy, which means an economy without money. He's the founder of the Free World Charter, a petition that advocates 10 guiding principles for a money-free world. He's written a book called Into the Open Economy, which has been translated to at least eight languages. And he's written a series of thrillers about the envisioned transition from the old world to the new world. And last year, he also held a TED talk about his ideas. Warm welcome to the show, Colin. Hi, Andrews. Thanks a million for bringing me on. Really happy to be on here. And um, looking forward to uh, tackling some of your tough questions. I'm just yes, going through yes. them here. So that's good. Absolutely. Bring it on. So what do, you, what do you say about my uh, description of you here? Do you want to add anything or did, was, it, was it more or less correct? No, that's pretty, pretty much spot on, yeah. I mean, like yeah. Um, I'm living in Ireland now. I've lived in various different places in the last 10 years, but back in Ireland now. And I love it here. It's really nice. And yeah, um, yeah I mean, I've been super busy the last 10 years with various different projects related to this um, viewpoint, worldview. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we can discuss um, different uh, topics there or different projects that I'm working on. Um, absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Absolutely happy. Uh, you have a lot of um, sort of general questions about sort of money-free world and that sort of stuff. And that, uh, yeah, I'm absolutely happy. It's happy such a fascinating it. idea. Absolutely. So, I mean, there, there's so much to, to ask about really. But sure. let's start a little bit uh, with your, your background and your upbringing and everything. I, th- I saw in your bio on, on the website, I think, uh, that you always have had a passion for nature and problem solving. So how, how did that uh, affect you when you, how, how you perceived the world when you grew up? Mm. Were you a special kind of child, you think? or? I don't think especially, no. Um, I was always um, given to being creative, I suppose. I mean, I was a musician from a very young age. So yeah. I was always um, driven with a passion to to make things, to create things. Like um, I was writing my own songs when I was 10 years old and I was building my own little gadgets with electronics when I was 14 or 15. And so oh, really? I've always kind of had um, a penchant for, for that kind of um, creativity. And um, yeah, it's, it still continues. Uh, I also have been yeah, very keen on problem solving, as you mentioned, yeah. I mean, I was always... Uh, the guy to call on if something was broken in the house, if the washing machine was broken or if the light was broken, I was the, the guy who was basically called on to fix it. Ah. So uh, I always had a sort of um, a passion for repairing things, making things better, I suppose, making things work again, which is, uh, yeah, I suppose is not that unusual, really. But then given the sort of cocktail of uh, various different life experiences, um, obviously being a musician and growing up in sort of 80s, 90s, uh, it's sort of, it's, became it was really really hard to even envision making a good career out of playing music you know like uh, we always look back on our idols like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or uh, the Who and all these fantastic yeah. bands who did so well 
and uh, I always uh, looked up to those bands and then found that it was almost impossible for me to actually um, to try and give anything close to that kind of uh, career path. You know, it was really, really hard to do that so for mm. various different reasons. So uh, I suppose in there's a kind of, I've always sort of felt this kind of slight underlying injustice that basically I spent a large section of my, my youth basically learning music and trying to get good at it. And uh, then when I arrived to sort of the time when I should be making it from music, then it was uh, almost impossible to do so. And uh, I kind of felt a little bit cheated, I suppose, if I'm honest. I felt a little bit um, hurt by that, that basically here was something that I'd spend a huge amount of time doing and uh, wasn't going to come to fruition. Of course, I, yeah. I did what I had to do and I dabbled in other businesses. I opened a recording studio and uh, had a CD duplication company. So I was kind of always skirting around that business mm-hmm. and still am today. I still run a recording studio today. Oh, so really? I'm still, mm-hmm. I'm still kind of in the business as well. Yeah. yeah. So with the, with that sort of, um, that early sort of maybe injustice, I was, I should say that I felt. Um, and then on top of the fact, then all these things like, uh, you had the banking crash in 2008, then you yeah. had the rise of the Occupy movements and then the Zeitgeist movement and all these various different online movements which were coming out in social media that were kind of proposing sort of radical alternatives or radical new world views. All that sort of stuff was happening at the same time. And um, I suppose, yeah, given just my particular skills and passions, it sort of converged on me trying to actually make a go of doing something to help that process myself. So, so you were active yeah. in those movements that you were mentioning here? Um, no, uh, in Zeitgeist movement, I had been sort of semi-involved with the Zeitgeist movement, but um, none of the other ones. No, the other ones, most okay. of them are U.S.-based, of course. But uh, there has been a small Irish Zeitgeist movement, but uh, nothing much to report. Um, but yeah, I think that from my own point of view, it was just really a combination of lots of different life events and skills and stuff that brought me into okay. saying, okay, maybe I can do something about this, you know, and maybe I can help bring this about. So. I did the Free World Charter in 2010, re- released in 2011, and uh, that's that's gone really, really well. Uh, we have loads of people signed up to that, and uh, yeah, we've done other various projects sprung from that idea, and mm. uh, still working on it to this day. And uh, yeah. I'm happy to say it's uh, it's very productive and it's enjoyable. I'm. Um, uh, I, I just really enjoy the work. I really enjoy talking about it. I enjoy writing about it and uh, interacting with people about mm-hmm. it because I think it's a fascinating idea. Um, obviously, the idea of no money was kind of a shock to me at first as it was to anyone else. But maybe I'm just slightly more open-minded than others that I said, well, wh- what would it like and how? what would it be like and how would that work and that sort of stuff. So I kind of forced myself to ask those questions as well. So. Yeah, so from repairing dishwashers to repairing the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so to speak. <laughs> it's a work in progress. Not finished it's a yet. work in progress, yes. Uh, of course, it's a little bit more tricky than to repair a dishwasher, I guess. But So your vision here, a world without money, is, uh, of course, extremely big in, in, in most people's eyes, I guess. It's, it entails some very, very big changes. And so is it possible for you to explain, do you think, in some, a few basic points here to the listeners what, what an open economy would mean? 
Okay, yeah. Well, what I refer to usually as an open access economy was I, when I wrote that book. It was open economy was a term I was using, but the open access is the term I use okay. nowadays. So anyway, what an open access economy is uh, is basically where we we leverage our existing community structures, um, like uh, well, like the governments and administrative bodies and sort of supply chain supply chains and all that sort of stuff. All that stuff is, is inherently useful, you know, and uh, we can repurpose all that for a different, once we have a different priority, you know. At the moment, the priority is profit, okay, and, and making a living. That's, that's, how, that's what we prioritize, number one. So uh, basically everything, all our uh, apparatus in society is based around that goal that, okay, we all have to make a living from this. I have to make a living. You have to make a living. And then, you know, Companies have to turn a profit, blah, blah, blah. All this was, a, but all, a lot of that stuff can actually be repurposed if we just, if we change our perspective on what's actually important and what uh, is better for us in the long run. And that's something that we don't think about. You know, we more or less just say everything is kind of short-term interest. You know, we, we live from paycheck to paycheck, more or less, most of us. And that's pretty much all we think about. But of course, everything, all our decisions, all our economic decisions have, externalities and effects that happen in the real world that um, are obviously damaging the planet. For example, most of our, um, you know, our choices in buying plastics and that sort of stuff are like polluting the oceans and we're driving cars to work a day and which are polluting the air. And uh, there's a whole lot of other things. Everything that we do has a kind of a hidden consequences that we generally don't think about. Okay. So, if, if we're looking, looking to create an open access economy, we have to sort of bring those uh, hidden costs of living. We have to understand those in ways that we don't understand today. And when we, when we fully uh, assimilate that information as to what, what is actually the, the literal cost of living uh, between our resource management or resource use and our um, use of each other, or ex exploitation or our interaction with each other, then it becomes obvious after a while that actually we can actually do better if we don't use money. If we, if we just imagine for a minute, what I, what I always say to people is, uh, okay, just suspend your disbelief for the moment about a world without money wouldn't be possible. You just imagine for a moment, okay, it's possible. Just accept that first. Then you'd start to say, well, if that was, if it was possible, and if you structured society based on different priorities, as in, you know, uh, working together, the communities, as in promoting environmental health and uh, promoting uh, bodily health and well-being, if all that was our central focus rather than money, then obviously I think anyone would agree, yes, that's, that would be a better way to go. So that's so I kind of try to package it in two sections. I say, first of all, suspend the disbelief that it won't work and just say, well, if it did work, then it's very easy to understand that it actually would be better way. If, if we could just operate on a different operating system, then we're basically, our, all our priorities are upside down. You know, at the moment, we're the, the top priority is making a living and then everything else is underneath that, you know, like meeting people and uh, being productive and enjoying your work. All these things are kind of secondary motivators and money is a top motivator. But if you took away that money motivator, then all these other motivators become larger, you know, and become, we become more fulfilled by acting on the secondary motivators rather than the, the primary ones. Mm -hmm. But that's the first part. And then the, the second part is, okay, well, then we have to go back. All right. So we've, we, you've suspended your disbelief that uh, a money 
thing won't work. So we have to yeah. answer those questions now, just how, how I think it can work. Yeah. And the, the, the very short answer is it can work with mass awareness and education of a different uh, set of values, a different social contract, really, not to, to put it in a, in a, in a nutshell, really. We have one social contract that we operate now at the moment where um, everything is based around economy and most everything are separate or, or secondary to that. We, we can create a, second, a new social contract where basically we prioritize um, the environment, our communities, um, our own well-being our own, and our own um, personal health. Mm. So these are things that uh, once you turn things upside down, then you have to say, okay, well, how do we make that possible? And I think that even if you, even if you argue that it's either not possible or it's extremely difficult, even if you make that point, then you, you, there is always the argument that it's still a really high goal to, to um, what's the word? Envision maybe? Shoot for. Yeah, to shoot for. It's a really yeah. good goal to shoot for and that we should be going that direction, of course. Mm. So even, those who, need, even those who think it, it, it will never work, they can still have that, that vision yeah. to, to, to work towards a better world. Of course, yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the fundamental parts of being human is that we always, we always kind of strive to, to do more, to, be, to do better. And uh, I think that's fantastic. It's great that we have that imagination and that uh, creativity. So I think that we have to always strive to do better. Yeah. And mm. at the moment we're really striving to do better within the confines of a, of a, of a quite a small closed game for want of a better word, which is actually kind of rigged against us, you know, and not, not really through any, anyone's fault or through any, um, you know, misdeeds from anyone, but this game is basically rigged by, because the people who sort of make the rules of the game, they're the ones with all the wealth and the, and the power. And the rest of us just kind of muddle around with the with the scraps. So, well, yeah, some I would mean, some some would uh, object that that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs start with very little and start as as you and me. I mean, I have sometimes problems with the division between we and them, we and they. I mean, who are we and who are they? Because sometimes the we can become they, if you know what yeah. I mean. A small person, a so-called uh, simple person with with not much money or not much education or whatever, can start a. Mm -hmm. a company an enterprise and suddenly become successful yeah. and 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 grow and grow and grow and, and suddenly See? become rich so i mean that yeah. happens and some of those uh, silicon valley companies started off like as um, you know google i think google had the the device um, no not the device they had this um, saying that do no do no evil or something like that do oh, yes, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but today it's perceived as 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 uh, the devil on earth almost so um, yeah, well, it's, it's I don't funny know what I want to say about that, but but it's uh -huh. it's a bit more complicated maybe than than to say that that uh, well they are telling us what to do. If you see what I mean, I absolutely I absolutely agree. Yeah, and I'm I'm one of the few people sort of in this um, in this thought, thought space, for want of a better word, that I don't I don't uh, vilify people. I'm not saying that we are victims of 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 these evil people, which I think is ridiculously absurd but i think that um systemically there is um there is like a there is a structure of society that basically that puts the power with certain people and takes it away from other people and that's not that's not their fault any more than it's our fault if that makes any sense mm -hmm. because we let them because we all exactly. accept this this matrix exactly exactly yes so we we defer our our power to other people because we we sort of 
we kind of crave convenience and we're a little bit, you know, we like to have luxury and convenience. So when someone says, okay, look, I'll solve all these problems for you. You don't have to think about that. We say, okay, yeah, I'm going to charge you this amount of money to do that. So that's, we have a culture of consumerism, which is, I think is largely responsible, not just for the way that we consume resources, but also the way that we consume ideas and the way that we allow ourselves to be, um, to be manipulated and shunted around for, for mm. things that maybe are not in our own best interest. And again, I stress, it's not because there's bad people there. Mm. It's just because that's just the way it's kind of organizes itself. Mm. That's what the system kind of tends to organize itself like Since that. a few thousand years ago. Yeah. I guess the, sure. the most common objection, probably practically uh, to a world without money is this one. I mean, who would make big enough an effort uh, to do a job if not remunerated for it uh, sufficiently in their view, uh, as you know. So wouldn't most like innovators and, and the hardworking people just take long vacations instead of doing, doing what they're yeah. supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you have to answer the question that um, but there's two ways of going about that. One, you say, well, that um, the people who innovate, the people who innovate today, are they driven only by money? Do people who invent uh, great things, is, is money their prime motivator? I think not. I think that the prime motivator of anyone, of any great innovator today, is um, they want to create something good. They want to be productive. They want to, they want to maybe be remembered for something. They want to do something uh, that's uh, significant. And they want to, the respect and admiration of their peers for doing that. You know, I think that's the prime motivator. And then, of course, maybe the money comes after, or the money comes with that. And uh, it was like being a musician, I suppose. Um, probably one of the reasons that people are motivated to be musicians and to get famous is because they, they kind of crave that, they crave that respect and admiration. And also they want to put out something that they think is good and that they pe think people will enjoy. So you would say that money is not, well, you I can say absolutely without doubt that money is not the prime motivator for musicians, which is obviously the, the, the sector that I would know more about most. But obviously because because you're a musician, because you behave and think in a certain way, that's the way you, you, you want to do the thing. And it's the same with um, tech innovators as well, that yeah. they, are, they basically want to, they want to create the latest gadget, they want to create the latest thing. So there's a kind of, it's like um, a bit of a game to, to, to innovate. Of course, I mean, you have to argue, like, did the guy who invent the wheel years ago, I mean, did he, did he do it for money or did he do it because it was just a bloody useful thing to do? Or was he... <laughs> Was he hiding his wheel to, to sell it to people? Probably not. You know, he was just saying, so here's something really useful I made. And of course, I think it, most people want to share that with, some, with, with everyone. And in some ways, well, in many ways, the, the thing that prevents us from maybe sharing our things with the world, sharing our innovations, maybe it's money. We're, we're, we're worried about patents or copyright mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. This is something that's gone up. This is a big topic of the last year where copyright has been eroded by the internet. Yeah. And um, a lot of things that we actually hide things because of money. So you things are hidden behind paywalls. So it actually it it prevents us from getting to those things. But in terms of uh, innovators and how people, why would people do things? Why would people get up in the morning and do yeah. things? Well, it's the very same. You have to ask yourself. And I always kind of put it back on the person. I mean, if you were living, if you you Anders, if you were living there and you didn't have to use money for anything, you didn't have to earn a living i mean what are you going to do i mean are you really going to lie in bed all day and just say i don't have to do anything you know i can just lie there i think i'll turn this way i think i'll turn this way i mean eventually 
you, that's that's bullshit. You know, we don't want to live like that. We want to get up and we want to to do something in the world. We want to be active. I mean, I think I don't. I, I'm, I know there are people who would probably would be very lazy and would would make that. But I think that's very much a small my small minority of people. Maybe it's the same people who are lazy already today. So it's, it's and that's the other that's the other way of answering the question is you say how do these things happen today? What's incentives mm. there today, and are those incentives working? You know, mm. I mean we we live in a capitalist economy, and yet we still have like millions and millions of people who are dropped out of that, millions of people who are unemployed, millions of people who are depressed, people who have all kinds of um, issues and neuroses. Um, and a lot of that can be, can be maybe at least indirectly attributed to that economic system. Mm. So people are, are being marginalized by a system when they're not included. So I think that the... I think people are have an innate desire to get up and do things in the day. And yeah. um, people don't want to be slaves as well. Okay, that's fair enough. And well, we shouldn't be slaves. You know, we shouldn't really have to get up and like work 30 or 40 hours a week doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I wouldn't expect people to do that. You know, if you had a, a no money world, I wouldn't expect that to happen. But I would expect that maybe a lot of those kind of jobs, those very repetitive, dull jobs, would either be taken up by technology or they would be shared out among uh, the community, mm-hmm. or they would just be scrapped altogether, as in the case of maybe many like uh, finance jobs and that sort of stuff. Some of it is just like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole banking system would just <laughs> not be needed anymore. So those, A lot of these kind of uh, dull, repetitive jobs are basically linked to that kind of th- that sort of thing. But then you have, you, have, uh, you have jobs like fruit picking, for example. This is always a really good example, I think. You know? I mean, generally, it's it's still the best way of getting fruit is to have people picking the fruit, you know, because machines are, it's, it's, it's a, it's not an easy job for a machine. So you say fruit picking. Okay. So a lot of these people who work in Africa in the cocoa farms and that sort of stuff, or in, in, in coffee farms, they, um, it's a dull repetitive job generally in hot weather in unpleasant conditions. So you have to ask the question, okay, so if there's no money, why the hell are all these people going to go out and do that and work in these shitty conditions? And the, the answer truthfully, is probably, well, they won't. That basically we will have to restructure the way that's done because that is un- inherently unfair to be exploiting those people like that. So we have to say, well, okay, but that's, that has to stop because that's bullshit anyway. We have to do that a different way. So we either, we either invent machinery that can do that same task or we basically say, well, instead of this, um, these guys doing it, instead of a few people doing it, we say, well, let's spread it out to a community of 50 or 100 people who are doing the job take, of three take people. Turns. Take turns. Yeah, doing the job of three people. And of course, it's, it's a low-skill job, so more or less anyone can do it. Mm. Um, same with, uh, you know, rice farms and that sort of stuff. You know, uh, I think that, you know, leveraging technology is one thing and then leveraging community. Those are the two sort of underlying principles, I say, of the open access economy is to use those two things that, are, that already exist and to make them better. Mm. And uh, when we do that, then we can... We can remove yeah. money because the, the, the secondary motivators that I was talking about are always there and these motivators are going to be bigger. And of course, when you're more valued, if you're, when you're more revalued and more respected by people, you generally tend to be more productive and you feel more positive about yourself because we, you know, we're a social species. We crave uh, respect from our peers. And uh, when you have that in ways that you don't have it today because someone just pays you and just, okay, there's your money, get out. 
when you have that real respect when you're actually engaged in your community and working in your community, you're going to feel better about your community. You're going to feel better about yourself. So the theory is that it's kind of a, mm. a positive feedback loop that yeah, starts yeah. making things better and away lot. from the negative feedback loop. That reasoning has a lot going for it, of course. No question about it. I think many people would, would agree that, that we wouldn't be completely lazy and lie on our sofas if there wasn't any money. We would still want to do things, as you say, and want to be respected and um, do creative stuff. But uh, some people would probably probably have the objection that, that money, money is, uh, is good for uh, uh, allocating resources in, a, in, a, in an efficient way, if you see what I mean. So, I mean, because, I mean, if, if everyone would do what they really like to do, even if they are industrious in doing that and, and are very happy doing it, they would more, maybe too many people would do one thing, which mm-hmm. too many people mm-hmm. would think was a fun thing to do. <laughs> and too few people would do that. Well, you were mentioning this fruit picking mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. And I guess there are more examples like that. Uh, so, so then money is used as a ways of a means of yeah. allocating the resources in a more distribute mm-hmm. things in a more in a more efficient way, so to speak. I don't know what 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 are your well, thoughts well, on this, that. This, again, there's two ways to answer that, and one the first one is well, how does that happen in today's society? You know, when people when I people don't ask me about motivators or how this works or how would that work in a money free world, I always ask the question: Well, how does it work now? And that's a good place to start because when you talk about um, um, the sort of the the efficient uh, the efficient use of resources or the efficient use of um, the economy to create to create sort of um, um, wealth and growth of, of the community, then well you have to I have to argue straight away that actually the the current economy doesn't do that efficiently. In fact, it does it terribly because um, on the one hand we have uh, like planned obsolescence of things that basically break as soon as they go out of guarantee. I mean, that's a known thing. So you're, there, is, there isn't an incentive for a company to create a product that lasts 20 years, for example, you know, mm-hmm. when actually they probably could actually do that quite easily. You know, I mean, any, like a car or a, a phone or something like that, it, it would be quite easily to, to actually make those products better and last longer. But no, the, obviously the incentive is that it breaks after a while and that basically it has to be replaced and that keeps the economy going. That's obviously yeah, that's not true. efficient. And then also the other thing is that um, the people who don't have access to medicine, people who don't have access to food, people who are living in very poor conditions and probably numbering maybe up to about 2 billion in the world or something like that, who are people who are kind of really really on a bad situation. So obviously the system is not working for them and that's a significant percentage of the population. So you have to argue, well, that's, it, it doesn't work, you know, because if it worked, then it should be working for everyone. So um, I think that's even though it's it's um, it's not it's even though it seems to work in a lot of ways here. I think there's a huge uh, there's a huge way that can be improved. There's lots of ways that it's not working. That's creating inefficiency mm. by design, and that these these um, people are falling out of the system everywhere. And that's that's something that we have to change. We can do better than that. I believe we can do better than that. So um, the other thing is then that um, a, lot of the, a lot of the supply chain solutions that we use nowadays for tracking inventory, for tracking shipments, all that stuff is really, really good technology. And of course, that can be completely used. So 
Um, for example, you could uh, barcodes, for example. Barcodes are a fantastic way of tracking inventory and tracking uh, movement of items all over the world, like Amazon to do that. And um, that's, that's a system that's fantastic and that's brilliant. And we can still use that in a no money system to uh, allocate resources to see what's needed where and to, to understand what, what will the future demands of that system mm -hmm. be. And that's, that's one of the things that we can take from the, the current system. So it doesn't have to be linked to uh, payment or paywall. We can actually use that same technology to, uh, to do, or do the resources yeah. and skills even more efficiently than we do now. I guess you hear a lot of uh, people when you talk about these things that they, they say, oh, this sounds like the old Soviet Union or Mao's China, five-year yeah. plans. That's, uh, you want to do that all over again. So what, what do you say then? What do you say to those people? Well, I mean, it's, it's I, yeah, obviously communism. I mean, it, this idea, it shares quite a lot of things with communism with the original ideas of, of Marx, for example. But obviously at, in whatever, in modern communism or communism everywhere that it's existed, it always existed with money. It always existed with a hierarchy, even if they pretend it didn't. And it always existed with state, and it always existed with, 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 well, not obviously not religion, but with atheism, actually, which in some ways was kind of um, held relig in religious um, standpoint as well. So mm. it, wasn't just, it wasn't just we had communism and that it failed. It was that we had this thing that was kind of theoretically some parts of communism and then had all this kind of uh, baggage. And it really is all that inefficient baggage, the stuff, the, the things that happen with state, corruption, and obviously people living in very poor conditions, that was what really overturned communism. You know, the, the communism imploded because it wasn't working and because it wasn't even doing what it was supposed to do. You know, I mean, it wasn't basically making, uh, giving, genuinely giving uh, ownership of all the means of production to all the people. That wasn't, mm -hmm. that was kind of the intent, but it would never, never happened in reality. You know, they were always were basically dictatorships. And they were always um, they had their, always the money and the state and all that sort of this other apparatus basically used to sort of manipulate people. So, so this yeah, is closely linked to, to having not having money is also closely linked to maybe not having governments or not having a state that sure. rules things because otherwise it's it's going to probably mm -hmm. go the same avenue so, as yeah. the Soviet Union. Yeah, well, you, you have to see that everything, all these institutions in our society are really they're more or less. Uh, created to make this money system watertight, you know, to make it work, to to keep that system running well, and that's really that's what the job, that's what government does mostly, is they they supervise budgets, they organize whatever where the money is going to come from, where the money is going to go, and that's what they do. But if there if there isn't money and these things are organized in a different way, then they they don't have much left to do. But that's not to say that obviously a good organized society still needs some administration. It still needs. Uh, Leadership, I'm not against leadership at all. I think leadership is absolutely a fundamental um, necessity for human, human beings because we, we do need role models. We like having role models, but they need to be people who deserve that role, not people who are either bought into that role or born into that role. They need to be uh, people who are deserved, like a meritocracy, I suppose. So mm. I think that uh, people who people who are, are leaders because of how they inspire people, those people deserve to be leaders. And we should have leaders like that, absolutely. Because not everyone wants to be, you know, 
the, the leaders, but not but no rulers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think I would just find leader as someone who maybe who sees a bit further, who has a kind of a, a particular vision, who can maybe see a bit further than than other people. So I think those people are really, really vital, you know, to mm -hmm. um, to to humanity. So that's a great way of keeping us organized because uh, I don't want I would I wouldn't like to see a money free world just becoming this kind of um, widely distributed anarchic sort of chaos with just families and tribes or, you know, or modern versions of the same. I still think society is good when it's organized. I like the fact that there's somebody cleaning the streets. I like the fact that, you know, you can park your car or you can do this thing. I think I still think that all the, uh, many of the trappings of modern society are good and um, we should keep those. So, I'm not, I'm not one of these people who's proposing, okay, we'll just all go and live in tree houses or something like that. I don't think that's, mm. I don't think most people want to do that. So we, we can take, like I said, pretty, like I was saying about the barcodes, we can take a lot of the good stuff out of the capitalist economy and repurpose it in a, in a different way. And the guy who's cleaning the street, I mean, I've absolutely no problem. I live on the street here and I've absolutely no problem going out once a week and cleaning the street myself, for example, if it was my turn, and I'm sure you wouldn't either. And, that's that's his got his job solved you know <laughs> unless he's well, very in many to... communities we do that i mean i live in a in a house here with many apartments and we have uh, once or twice every year we are we are communally uh, cleaning the area around the, around the houses so yeah, i mean but... not everybody participates but it's always like that maybe 60 percent participate and that's that's yeah. sufficient that's enough yeah absolutely yeah yeah and i suppose if it ever became a problem where no one was doing it then okay you got you got to go sit down and have a meeting and try and organize yeah. something else and that's that's politics for you i suppose but um yeah i think that most people in general they want to help out in their local communities you know i mean they really do and i think that even nowadays with sort of the technology and the way that we're all kind of being kind of more isolated from each other by digital technology I think it's good that um, that we we're starting to look at maybe getting getting people out and to do things in their community. Yeah. So much at the moment we have we live in basically a convenience culture, and I think it's quite damaging. Um, I'm not sure if you agree, but I think that we the money has created this sort of this thinking that basically something happens or a problem happens, you pay money, problem goes away, and that's mm. the way it works. That's how you solve everything. You know, if something mm. happens. Take money, pay it, and go away, assuming you have the money, of course. But Well, if there was no money, I would, I would still call that expert who can fix my dishwasher or who can fix my car or whatever, because I, couldn't, I, I would never be able to do that. I'm too lousy at that. So I would, I would still call that person to have yes. the problem go away. I, I'm, that's what I do today, but I, but I pay him or her money for yeah. it. But it's the same thing, basically. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not just saying that's expertise things. I mean, there's loads of different ways you can apply this, this uh, basically payment of money just to, to make a problem go away. Mm. Uh, like cleaning your windows, for example, maybe you pay a guy mm. to clean your windows. I mean, anyone can clean the windows, you know, but you're just kind of, you know, it, it's just it's a kind of a, there's a convenience thing. This is, we do have this addiction to convenience. And I think yeah. that that's not a good thing. I think that we do need to Look, the objective of human life is not just to do less and less and less and less until you're just completely static. That's not living, you know. And this is kind of the, the sort of the dream we're kind of being fed a little bit is that, you know, let, let, the, let the, the, the economy or the capitalist economy take care of all the, the problems, little, the little uh, whatever, obstacles in your life. 
and then you can just do less and less and you can relax and relax and relax. I think that's, that's, not, that's not living. And I think we, as a species, we still haven't realized that actually human life is actually about being productive. It's about being moving. It's about doing things. It's about often doing things that you don't really enjoy, but you feel really rewarded and happy that you did it after, you know? You know, this kind of thing, I think that's something that we need to explore, I think, because we're so much, so much rooted in this consumer economy that we don't tend to think about um, the, re- the, the internal rewards we have from doing things that maybe are, we don't really enjoy that much. I mean, mm. I'm sure you, you know this feeling where you, you I know, know what you're talking a job about, yeah. has come up, you know, mm. so there's some problem that has to be solved and it's a pain in the ass and, you, you, you know, it's, you have to get out and do it and whatever it is, maybe you have to clean the drain or something like that. But when you, when you, even though it seems unenjoyable at first, but when you actually done it, you feel very, you feel that sort of sense of satisfaction and Mm. fulfillment that you did something good today, you know? Mm. And I think that that's, that's the key to successful, happy human living is actually having that sense of satisfaction that we Mm. did produce something good to the world today. Yeah, but what is production? What production is today is something different than it was like in 1850 or 1750. Because I mean, we wouldn't want to go back to that society. I, I think you you agree there. Uh, one example is the the washing machine. Uh, the late Professor Hans Rosling from Sweden used to talk a lot about that when he gave examples of the world actually having become a lot better than people think. Then he took the example of the washing machine, which had liberated so many women around the world who were doing so much heavy work, doing yeah. the laundry all the time down by the river or wherever, cold water, hands mm. getting all cracked up yeah. uh, and, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, terrible. And they were so, it was so much better for them to have these washing machines introduced so they, they could start reading books or going to school or, I mean, all these yeah. other things. So, I mean, there's a, there's a scale here. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. And that, I think like so many other things in life, it's about a balance. It's about finding a balance between what's, what's enough and what's too much. And I think that's, um, that's something as a species we still haven't figured out yet, you know, where to find the balance. It's like, you know, you drink alcohol, you know, maybe, you know, there's a certain amount of alcohol is too much. And then maybe, but a certain amount, a small amount is actually good for you. And um, I don't know, we'd, we'd, we don't tend to um, seek out those balances, you know, in general, we, the, we kind of tend to go to extremes. And I think that with the consumer culture, because we've been fed this idea that you've got to buy this, you've got to buy this, you've got to buy this, this is, we're being bombarded with that message and we can't but be affected by that. And so we, we, we start to believe that, well, really, yeah, if I buy this thing, it's going to solve my problem and I'm going to be happier because I bought this thing. But of course, you're not going to be happy because you bought that thing, because it, you, it, that's not how happiness works. You know, happiness is about um, being, you know, being productive and feeling more uh, alive with yourself. You know, that knowing that you've done something good, knowing that you've made someone happy, or knowing that you, you've helped someone. You know, I, people often say to me that um, I'm depressed. You know, um, I, any any advice? You know, I, I'm depressed. I, I feel very bad. And the first thing I always say to people is. Uh, is go and help someone else, you know, go out there and help someone else. And they say, what? They say, we go and help someone else because that is, I don't know, that makes you feel better, you know? Yeah. It's not just 
it's not just you're, you're, you're sacrificing, making yourself more miserable by helping someone else. You're actually enriching yourself more by, by helping someone else. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah, Doing things so we by, don't, by your heart instead of your, your, your yeah, brain. Your, yeah. So this is something that, that's not really well understood, I think. You know, that, um, that's being part of something productive and something bigger and better is what, is what really makes us happy, yeah. you know? And I think depression is something that's absolutely epidemic. I mean, it's, it's a global epidemic of very, very serious proportions, I think. I see it everywhere. I'm sure you have seen yeah. it too. And uh, that's something that, is, that needs to be addressed, you know? And I think a lot of it is to do with marginalization through um, the economy and through uh, lack of understanding as to what really is our true place, you know? Because people are kind of are lost, you know? They don't know mm-hmm. what's their place in their community if they've no money, they've, they've no job, and maybe they're, they're drinking alcohol or they're, I don't know, they're just they're in a bad situation, in a rush, as we say. So um, I think it I has think, less to do. I think it has less to do with material problems than with the fact that people are very confused about the very complicated and uh, strange world we're living in, with so much information everywhere that uh, people don't really exactly. Exactly. understand what's happening, and that makes them confused and, and scared about the future, and that makes them depressed. So I think it has less to do with material problems, actually, because I mean, they go. You can go back fifty years; people were less off, uh, worse off, but they were maybe not as dis- depressed. Also, I think mm-hmm. depression is also a subjective mm-hmm. thing that maybe people were depressed be- before, but they didn't call it that. They called it something else where people just killed themselves and people, the, the people around them didn't understand what happened. What? what was it depressed? And I, I had no idea, but these days people talk about it. Oh, you, you, get, my, you get my point. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, of course. And yeah, it's, not all, it's absolutely not, not all about material possession. And I think but maybe it's more about lack of education as to you know, what are we doing here? You know, I mean, most people kind of don't really have the answer to that question, especially people who are sort of in a rut or whatever, you know, why are we here? What's, what's my life for? And this sort of stuff. And that's, you know, having this kind of sense of purpose is what gives, makes us happy, I think, you know. Mm. And uh, when you lost that, you know, and whether that's through the economy or whether that's through some other reason, um, lack of opportunities in, uh, lack of social opportunities of some kind, um, whether that's whatever the cause of that, yeah, I think the fact of of losing your place in society or not knowing your place in society is uh, is what, what what precipitates depression. But yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a very interesting topic and uh, mm. something mm. that needs to be addressed. And actually, um, while we're on the subject, I was watching the movie last night, um, Social Dilemma, mm-hmm. which I would recommend any to watch anyone to watch is interested on in Netflix or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's on Netflix, and it's about yeah. how um, social media is, um, you know. Uh, co-opting you into sort of... Uh, I saw the trailer. This, yeah. So basically it looked like, really like, gloomy. <laughs> it looked really gloomy. I, t- I tend to avoid very gloomy things because I <laughs> Yeah, me, well, me too, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it was kind of likening social media basically to a slot machine that okay. basically when you, you're scrolling your yeah. news feed, it's kind of like a slot machine. And then when you hit something nice, then the algorithm knows that you found something you like, and then it yeah. tries to show you more things like that. So it's just yeah. a way of keeping you hooked. So that's, um, yeah, it's basically a, an addictive uh, technology. Yes, and yeah. uh, again, that's something we, we, we'll have to talk about that at some stage. You know, we'll have to tackle that problem mm-hmm. as well. Um, because Again, you have to argue that it's coming down to market motivators. That's what's making those sites. That's why they want so bad to addict you into those services because they're trying to sell the, the advertising space to advertisers. 
and so it's down to their bottom line. So of course you have to argue, well, if there isn't any money, if we don't, if we don't operate society like that, then we don't have to, we can actually have social media that's beneficial for people and that gives people what they want without uh, manipulating them. No, 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 that's a good example because I'm, I, I think that like we were talking about before, the um, tech innovators would probably innovate those tech gadgets, even if they didn't, weren't remunerated for it at the yeah. beginning, at least, because uh, I mean, things like Twitter and Facebook would probably be mm. created even, even without this thing. Oh, but yeah. they promised for early on that they would never charge any money if, if, for mm. using it. Because, mm. And today it's absolutely too late to do that. They can't, they can't charge. I mean, they, can, they can't have a paywall for, for Facebook or Twitter. So they, they will have to find other ways of making money yeah. on it. That's why mm. this, all, this whole yeah, thing but, started. But a lot of the people who are on that documentary um, are ex-employees of Twitter or Facebook or Google. Mm. And they're all completely disillusioned with their business model and how that, how that company operated. And I mean, they're kind of, they're kind of coming out like as whistleblowers, for want of a better word basically yeah. saying how the company operates and because as you say that they they entered into that company because they wanted to innovate they wanted to do something productive and cool and and, and new and uh, of course then they realized that actually it was just turning into this uh, very unpleasant sort of uh, cash machine mm. which was uh, turning out to be a destructive force rather than a, a positive force and these people basically they turn their back on that and it's great to see that that's happening and that I suppose supports my point that the people who are innovating are not driven by money they're actually driven by innovating and that's all you know they want to they want to do something good for the world so mm. it's good to see that um, there's lots of people there who are uh, who are seeing things differently you know so it that's is very encouraging is. that's encouraging and you really have to use these things these those social media with caution that's for sure so we were mentioning uh, communism aside and soviet union aside but is this vision in any way a left-right thing, would you say? I mean, do you, do you see a money-free world as a place where everybody is materially on about the same level or as a place where all are equal, but they cho uh, choose different life paths, which will lead to some people living uh, a more affluent material lifestyle than others? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that life is unequal. You know, we are unequal. You know, we're not everyone is equal. And I think it's it's foolish to... To pretend we are, you know, I think in some ways we have this, we play this ridiculous game in modern society where we try to pretend that everyone is equal. Mm. And of course we aren't, certainly not just financially, but in every other way, in, in our physical attributes, in our, um, you know, in our intelligence and um, our skills and abilities and everything, even language is, uh, you know, is, is, uh, is an obstacle for some people and not for others. So yeah, we are, we're always going to be unequal. So I think that even striving for that as as your highest ideal is not doesn't make sense i think that um at the very least we should our, our the least tenet of our society would be okay let's give everyone open access to the basic living necessities and when you kind of say that it sounds it starts to sound well, ridiculous why is that still not a thing in the 21st century you know we're living in 2020 now and yet yeah. things that you need to live are behind a paywall, you know, and that's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Mm. It's ridiculous both technologically because it's free it's energy very, now. 
<laughs> yeah, it's very easy to do all this stuff now relatively to whatever, even 50 years ago. It's hugely, like to build a house, for example, now compared to 50 years ago. I mean, 50 years ago, people had to get down in trenches with pickaxes and, and mix cement by hand and, you know, and they had to, you know, build a whatever, you know, cut bloody rocks to, to bloody things. Mm. What I'm saying is that it's so easy now just to make a house. I mean, there's, there are machines now that can literally print a house in about 10 hours you know they can print they, it's like a it goes around and prints a wall oh really I mean, this, this, this technology oh yeah it exists exists yeah so there's there's projects there which are like they're like tech innovator projects which are kind of saying well we can build a house in 24 hours and uh, that, that can happen so i mean why are we still why is everything still behind the paywall you know even access to clean drinking water access to food access to clothes access to shelter um, home mm-hmm. We have to pay for these things. It's, it's absolutely absurd. We don't need to do that anymore because we should have evolved past that point and we have the, because we already have the technology to do it. But what mm. happens is that the technology to do all this good stuff is, is still being monetized because we have this mindset that everything has to be monetized. You know, we can't break mm. out of that. You know, whatever, and whatever new inv- innovation comes on and say, okay, great, well, how can I make this pay? How can I make money out of this? You know, and that's, that's, that's not a problem with the innovation. It's not the problem with technology. It's a problem with our mindset mm. is that we're always with the priorities are wrong. You know, people talk about uh, the guy who invented the polio vaccine. I think when it was 70 years ago or whatever, like that. he, he created this vaccine and he gave it, he gave it to the world for free, you know? And the people say, he's kind of hailed as a hero. I can't remember his name now, but uh, he, this was something that's kind of seems so antithetical to modern society. You know, why did you do that for? You could have made millions. You could have made billions yeah. from that. Yeah. You know? but, but that's yeah. the way we operate now, you know. Mm. Look at whoever, who's going to invent the COVID-19 vaccine. You know, how much money are they going to make from that? Mm-hmm. You bet your yeah. last, last they're not going to give that away for free, you know. So, I mean, mm. there's, there's all this in, the incentives are backwards, you know, that we're, mm. we're not um, creating giving people access to things they need to live at a very minimum. That's yeah. something we should be striving for in society. We kind of do it a little bit with through welfare systems and through, well, in universal basic income is proposing something similar like that. So yeah, we're kind of trying to do a little bit, but I think that there shouldn't be an obstacle. Yeah. yeah. There shouldn't so, be an obstacle to actually create, to have the thing, to have access to things that you need to live so it doesn't mean that everyone is going to be equal it's going to be elevated to the same level but mm-hmm. it means that at least everyone has the same basic start in life mm-hmm. which is going to be like much much higher than it has been before and we'll all have uh, different sort of uh, values and principles i suppose about, mm-hmm. as to about as to how that society works you know mm-hmm. because it's, it's funny that the uh, people often say the joke that uh, you know when you were a kid your mother always told you to share your things, share your toys. But then when you're, uh, when you're growing up, your dad said, no, you don't fucking share things. You know, go out and get a job. You don't go make some money, you know, go make a killing, you know? So it's like um, sharing is what we kind of, we like to teach our kids, but then, no, you have to grow out of that and start making money and all that sort of stuff. We still do it share? within our families and within our groups of friends. And so, I mean, that's spontaneous for most people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this this um, sharing thing, this is why we have um, the website, the, the share bay that I'll talk to you about yeah. later. Mm-hmm. Like the share bay is basically a way of um, promoting this kind of sharing behavior with strangers, not just friends and family. 
because you're right, yeah, we, we do all that so spontaneously with friends and family, and that's great. But really, for an open access economy to work, we have to spread out that met- methodology to everyone. We have to start with say, well, look, even the people that are not my friends and family, we are still like, uh, you know, cohabitants of the same space, you know, of the, and so if we're helping each other just a little bit, then we're going to solve a lot of the problems of society, you know, so that's. So ShareBay is something, is a site that you have, is working yeah. now? Yeah, it's, so it's open now. It's like like open. an eBay, eBay without money, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. It's basically an e- like an eBay or Amazon without money. So what it is is people who are um, gifting goods and services. Uh, now, it's quite small. It's only like a prototype. So it's only, it's, there is, I think we have 2,000 people on there now. So it's basically, um, yeah, it's a way for people to go on, share goods and services and we're actually in the mo- in the process of doing a redesign on us and uh, some promotion later on in the year. Okay. But um, yeah, it's it's a really exciting project. The idea is that we're encouraging a different set of behavior to what their normal behavior is, which is doing everything for exchange and cash. But the idea is that we're kind of saying, well, even though if I, if I um, give, do something for you or I give something to you, it doesn't mean that you have to barter and do something back for me. It just means that because you're in that same community that you will probably do something for someone else, you know? Mm. It's kind of like what I, what I call in the open access economy is like um, an implicit trade system, you know? So I do something for you because I, I know that you're probably going to do something for someone else. Yeah. And this has kind of been, uh, the, the guy David Graeber, actually the famous anthropologist, this is kind of how he argued that primitive societies actually operated or primitive tribes operated was on this kind of idea of I owe you one, you know, that this that this was really kind of the currency of early primitive human society. Yeah. Wasn't the fact we weren't like exchanging shackles or seashells or whatever as is, and that came later. But the point was that when the smaller, um, more informal society, societies, it was all about, well, you know, thanks for doing that favor for me. And yeah, I'll get you back someday or I'll help someone else. So everyone kind of helped each other normally. And exactly in the same way as it happens in friends and families, that kind of circle, yeah. you know? No one keeps uh, no one keeps account of what you do and what you don't do in in your friend and family circle. But that leads us to the question about organization. You were earlier talking about it. You, you don't you, you're not fond of the thought of uh, anarchy or something like that, because you want, still want uh, an advanced society, which is organized and, and we need leaders. You mentioned leaders and inspirers and administrators, of course. And, uh, and it's obvious that in, in such a society without money, we would need a lot of organization and we would need probably transparency even more than, than, than we have today and we need it today. And it's especially true when it comes to resource allocation and highly complex activities like uh, well, um, mines, metal, metal extraction or power mm-hmm. generation or things like that. Isn't there a mm-hmm. risk that, that new elites may emerge in that kind of situation? Yeah, in what capacity? Well, the people who are uh, leading these uh, advanced uh, complex activities, they can kind of uh, start thinking they are worth more than others and they uh, mm-hmm. need better better yeah. uh, conditions uh, finer houses yeah. maybe and sure. and uh, cool. we are so intelligent we can we can we can we can we can um, uh, keep this mind going so we should actually be 
allowed to yeah. decide over other things as well because we're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Well, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I say, I don't think it's realistic to hope for an e a fully equal society. There's always going to be some people who are better than others in some capacity, in some form. Um, that's, I mean, that's just nature. That's, 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 there's nothing we can do about that. That's fair enough. So if somebody is like better at, I don't know, uh, monopolizing a certain activity as they do in, in the current system, then probably that's going to happen. But the in our current system, we also have this deference to other people, deference to power, and um, this uh, sort of what I would call learned helplessness, where we sort of, we don't, we don't believe that we are good enough to solve those problems ourselves or that we are, a, um, we are an equal member of, of society or we have equal importance. Mm -hmm. But we, we have to, um, to re-educate ourselves to actually to guard against those kind of behaviors where somebody is just taking off and, and uh, basically sweeping up all the resources for themselves or for whatever reason. Yeah. We have to basically say to ourselves, well, look, we can't allow that to happen ourselves anyway because we're not we don't have the tools to be aware that that's happening so um i would argue that it kind of happens by stealth you know nowadays where people are is building like let's let's say as an, as an example someone like mark zuckerberg for example who's basically a, a college guy who started a little project and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it became this massive thing you know, mm -hmm. at some point, I mean, if we had an, a properly enlightened, educated economy, at some point during that process, somebody would have said, hang on, wait, this thing is getting too big, it's getting too important, it shouldn't be just in the hands of one guy or this bunch of people. So we have to kind of, we have to rethink what we do, we have to reevaluate this Facebook project. So it's, um, mm, I don't know how to, to say that well, but it's like, we are not we are not educated to deal with that kind of um, complexity, I suppose, of, of, of things uh, taking on a life of their own in a way that's detrimental to everyone. So the way we're educated is problematic, of course. I mean, um, I believe the, the education system is like almost like 80% wrong. You know, the way, what, the, the stuff that we learn at school is all about like um, arithmetic and languages and history and geography. And those things are those things are useful and they have value, of course. But they, there are other things that we should be learning which have more value, and and they are about like how how we work, how our well being works, how our society works, how we communicate with other people, how we deal with ourselves, our own negative conflicts, how we interact with the environment. All this sort of stuff is this hugely important uh, area of education, which is kind of left to chance, really. You know, you go to school and you learn your, your, your arithmetic and blah, blah. But the, the other stuff, like, you know, the stuff that you learn when you're kind of fighting or whatever with your friends or that sort of stuff, that's kind of left to chance. And that stuff is actually more important. The stuff yeah. of basically how to live, what sort of, how to get the best from yourself, how to get the best from other people, how to communicate effectively, all that sort yeah. of stuff. I think that's, that when, when our education starts focusing more on the stuff that really matters, the stuff that's really important, then I think you will find that this kind of aberrant behavior of people who are monopolizing something or who are exploiting a situation will happen less and less because people are just, they won't allow it, they won't stand for it. 
they'll say, okay, right, that's that's too far now. You're going too far with this. Okay, we have to we have to stop that. So, I, I, yeah, I think you're right, but may, many people won't probably <laughs> believe that that's what's yeah. going to happen. But I, I think you're right. But you're talking about the mindset, this the fixed mindset that is probably the biggest obstacle for people. Uh, rather than practi- practical practical uh, things they're talking about in about a money-free world. And talking mm-hmm. about mindsets, uh, we can lead, leads me into this um, sure. the charter, free world charter. And at least I would say the first four tenets there, they seem almost spiritual, actually. Uh, we, we, can, we can read them. I can read them out loud here. Number one is the highest concern of humanity is the combined common good of all living species and biosphere. Number two is life is precious in all its forms and free to flourish in the combined common good. Number three, yeah. Earth's natural resources are the birthright of all its inhabitants and free to share in the combined common good. Number four is every human being is an equal part of a worldwide community of humans and a free citizen of Earth. I mean, it's it's all very beautiful, but it sounds almost a little bit uh, spiritual. So, would you say that this is this is about a well? Maybe you won't use the word spiritual awakening, but is it mm-hmm. some kind of awakening that you are that you are striving for? No, 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 absolutely not. And uh, mental awakening, what, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what I think is uh, striking, or what I think strikes people about those statements, is that they should be already um, self-realized. They should be already self-actualized, these statements. I mean, and I think it's, it shows people that those things are not, those things are not in play. This is not how we think in the world. We, we don't believe that we're all uh, equal members of a human community. Most people tend not to believe that. So either whether you're very poor and marginalized or whether you're very rich and above all the rest, we generally don't uh, tend to believe that. Um, the the idea that obviously life is precious in all its forms. Well, this is kind of it's kind of more of something that we would we would Im- imply and, and aspire to. But of course, it doesn't always happen in practice. And um, we 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 obviously exploit like we have to exploit life to a point to live. You know, we have to probably kill. We have to eat vegetables and blah blah blah. So, but there is. Um, there's a cycle of life that we have to respect and we don't necessarily respect that. You know, we don't respect that. So we, we, we kill, you know, we kill things for pleasure, for example, you know, for, for sport. Um, that's ridiculous way to behave. And any, the, the society shouldn't work like that at all. And um, the, the first one there is that we're all um, this, well, it's basically just more or less setting out the boundaries of what, where we are on this planet, you know, and it's, I think it's what's what's informing for people is that we realize that actually yes that's the way it should be and actually yes that's the way it isn't and it should be like that so uh, later on then i go on to say in the charter about um that everyone is entitled to um the the, the basics of a of a, of a good good living I can't remember the exact words again it's something that should be really self-explanatory it should be um self actualizing but it isn't you know and i think that's what uh, catches people with the, the free will chart and that's why it's quite popular number six maybe our community provides for us for all its members the necessities mm. of a healthy fulfilling and sustainable life freely and without obligation yeah that's yeah, the one you were thinking yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's the, that's exactly the one yeah and 
that we don't do that is kind of sounds absurd when you read that because obviously the, you know that's we are it all living absurd. on this you know this basically confined system mm. and yet, yet we're not uh, treating each other like like that you know if you were i don't know if you were on a on a mission to mars you know with with 20 other astronauts you have like this miniature community that's spending months in space you know if you're not if you're not getting on with those people or if you're not cooperating and working well i mean that's 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 ridiculous way to behave of course you know mm. you would you would have to say well you know we have to get along here we have to help each other and do things that's on the very same thing when we're when we're on a planet you know we 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 it's a, we are a spaceship the pla- the planet is a spaceship so it is yeah it's a closed space and the only the only illusion is is that it's just very big it's very yeah. big so we don't tend to think we 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 more or less tend think it's infinite we think the world goes on forever. I mean, we don't think that. We think resources go on forever. We think the horizon goes on forever. You know, we generally, I mean, from, an, from a purely animalistic point of view, you know, we, we generally just look at things in front of us, you know. That's, that's something that we can't do anymore because that is good for animals. It's good for many species just to deal with the world as you see it in front of you and take what you need and do whatever you have to do based on what you see directly mm-hmm. in front of you. But we're now at a stage in our evolution where there's just so many of us and our impact is so great that we can't afford to behave like that anymore. We can't afford just to take whatever we can and just live the short-term, live the short-term uh, gratification. We can't just keep doing that because that behavior multiplied by billions of people is destroying the planet and all the other species mm. here at a, at a staggering rate. Mm. So... That's and this is pointed down. out day after day in the media. I, I'm, I've been yeah. a journalist for many years, so I, I know that this is actually pointed out very, very strongly yeah. all the time. So people are actually really scared about what's, yeah, what's happening. Yeah, yeah, and, the, well, and that, to- that, that has also made people change because I mean, you, you write in your book uh, something that I, I agree fully with. You say that almost everyone behaves decently almost all the time. Yeah. The number of truly, truly badly behaving people, the truly badly behaving people, is statistically statistically right. insignificant almost and yeah. Yeah. that's very close to my own writings and what i think but i'm also of the opinion that this basic benevolence that you can call it mm-hmm. has led us to the best world so far uh, i think mm-hmm. and the world is is actually a lot better than than most people think so yeah i mean i'm i mean to say that ever more people even decision makers are taking responsibility but you don't really seem to see it that way <laughs> oh no i do i don't no, no that's no that's that's not true i do actually agree that the okay. the politics has changed and i see politics yeah. are shifting i love uh, what uh, greta thunberg has, has been doing the work that she's mm-hmm. been doing is, is fantastic you know and i think that to have someone like her who's championing this cause is amazing and funnily enough uh, um her sort of a uh, compatriots or uh, this guy um, George Monbiot I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name but he's basically a guy who's advocating sharing an economy as well so it's he's a, he's a, he's think, a Brit isn't he or yeah yeah he's a British journalist yeah no. uh, he's basically um, he's more or less saying that we have to create this sort of co-op, more cooperative uh, culture using cooperatives and uh, creating a share what he calls a sharing economy so I think that's the we're starting to realize that those two things are linked, you know, that, that the problems with the environment is, is the problems with the way we behave on a daily basis. You know, it's very easy for most of us to think, well, the government have made this bad. The government are messing everything up. The companies are messing everything up. You know, they're polluting the world, but that's not true. That's a ridiculous point of view because 
it's actually us. It's all of us that are driving that machine because of the choices that we are making every day. But in our billions, this is what's causing environmental chaos, climate change and pollution and waste of resources. It's not to do with bad people. It's not to do with bad decisions. It's to do with basically the lots, the lots, millions and millions, billions of decisions of, that we take every day. So I think that I, I think there's lots of reasons to be positive in terms of um, European politics now. I think European politics is is definitely um, it's improved much more than it has in the last forty years or so. Um, I think people are getting much more eco-aware. You might be aware that. Um, the First Minister of Scotland has teamed up with a few other nations, smaller nations like New Zealand and uh, Iceland and one other, I can't remember, that they're creating, they want to create this thing called a well-being economy, which yeah. is still like capitalism, it's still a capitalist economy, but the idea is that they're promoting well-being as, as mm. being like an interest. They're not just measuring GDP, they're measuring other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was, it was, a, was it Bhutan? It was some of the countries? I think was, Bhutan, yeah, they, they introduced... Uh, some kind of alternative to GDP several years ago. I can't remember what it na its name was. The, the happiness index or something. Happiness like that, index, yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but now you have the United Nations, of course, since mm -hmm. 50 years back, as you know, and many ridicule the United Nations and thinks that it's completely useless. And maybe it is. I, I don't think yeah. so. But it's 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 not extremely powerful, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. of course. But they have this um, agenda 2030, like 17 sustainable goals yep. since the future. 2030, all these goals are supposed to be achieved. And when you read them, they are actually pretty, they, they res resemble your vision pretty much. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> As a matter yeah, of fact, you, you, you've read them, I, I, I presume. Do you I agree did at one point, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have read them, yeah. yeah because they say things like that no poverty, uh, mm -hmm. no inequality, no wars, all these things. Yeah. Well, it doesn't say no money. That's the thing that isn't there. <laughs> But, but uh, otherwise, I think the, most of your goals are, are, are in there, really. But look at, but look at the, the UN Charter of Human Rights. I mean, yeah. that obviously has a lot of the stuff there. I, I can't remember when that was authored, maybe in the 50s nice or 60s. nice piece of paper, yeah. I can't remember, but it's, it's not. No one sticks to it. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, the UN is, uh, yeah, it's kind of like this giant but toothless organization. You know, they, they don't have the sort of... Uh, they, all they can do is like really bring lots of awareness to a, a subject. And I think it's good that they do that. But in terms of actually having teeth and actually making things work, that has to, that can only happen probably at government and individual level. Mm. But at least the UN, I think is good for highlighting those sort of stuff. So no, I, I'm not actually, I'm not anti the system the way it is in, in, the, in the way it's going. I think that there's a really, there's a good trajectory here. I think that a lot of people are, Obviously, they're, they're realizing the connection between uh, environmental uh, damage and the way we're behaving or the way companies are behaving as people perceive it. Um, so I think that's going in a good way. And um, I'm, I'm optimistic that basically that the, we can start shifting maybe to more towards the, the sharing economy, which is what I'm sort of proposing, that if we can start um, implementing that more and more and more and more. Because the only way to... The only way to create this sort of um, upside down money free world yeah. is is really gradually. You know, I think mm. it's it's unlikely that you know the government's going to make a decision. Okay, we're going money free tomorrow. You know, it's just not going to happen. You know, we're, we're, what we can the reason it won't happen is because we're not ready for that. We don't understand 
how to behave properly in the world or how to behave in a way that's 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 conducive to a a better society so i think that um we can the only way to do it is to graduate towards it and that's why we have things like sharebay and there's loads of other sites like that who are doing something because i was going to ask about that because i had this question that maybe maybe it's an uh, all or nothing thing because how can it start well maybe it's if it starts gradually worldwide it might work but i was thinking you can't really start in one corner of the world can you i mean if one country scraps money that wouldn't really work would it well actually uh, in, in the book that i wrote i wrote another book called f day which was like a fictional novel i don't know if you yeah. if you saw that i one. haven't read it I saw that it was um, yeah that was that was basically proposing that it actually happened in one country first okay uh, it happened in iceland in, in the in that book okay. so um that was uh, like a a wonderful thought experiment for me, actually, as well as as a writer. So I, I basically, I, I, I developed the story from where we are right now today, and I expanded it into whatever, 50 years in the future, and say, okay, the world went money-free, okay? I'm saying, no, so how did that happen? You know, so I kind of rewind back and say, okay, how did that happen? And I, I write all about this kind of transitional process, which I think is very interesting, and it's useful, for maybe, if anyone's re- interested to read it. But of course, mm-hmm. it's not a guarantee that, going to happen like that i'm more of the opinion now i mean i wrote that book like maybe three or four years ago i'm more of the opinion now that yeah a gradualist approach from from where we are to from the way we act today to graduating to a different way of acting you know that's that's yeah. the way it has to do because actually mm, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah sorry a little bit by, by stealth actually I, I i think that the money system is disappearing or dissolving itself uh, by way of not we not we we not using uh, banknotes or coins anymore. It's just digit on on digits on uh, displays all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's still money, of course, obviously. But as you have also pointed out in the book, I think uh, if you take a loan for a house, for instance, that the money to f- money for that loan is is created the instance mm-hmm. that you sign the the loan mm-hmm. papers. It doesn't yeah. exist. So money re- yeah. doesn't really exist. It's just it's just energy. Exists. It's just kind of um, I don't know trust. It is yeah, nothing it's, really. It's a shared it's so belief. Obvious, when, you, when you don't when you don't use banknotes and coins, it's it's so obvious that it's something very very strange. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's like a shared belief, I suppose. You know, it's it like I, I hand you yeah, money. Shared belief. I I I think I have a twenty dollar note in my hand. I believe it's worth twenty dollars. If I hand it to you, you believe it's worth twenty dollars. So we, we we share the same belief yeah. on the value of that piece of paper. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely a shared belief. And I mean, so I think that just really highlights how 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 fleeting and and um, sort of not not really based in reality it is. Of course, it's not even backed by gold anymore. You know, it's just really backed by government say so. That's mm. all. And, I mean, look at the, uh, the COVID-19 measurements, measures yeah, that were taken. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, they, 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 they guaranteed companies hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars uh, yeah. in, in uh, I don't know what the, name, what the word is in English, but, but they guarantee that you won't go, you won't go bust. Don't, don't worry. We have the money. We create the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> decisions yeah. that one year ago would have would have been perceived as completely insane. Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like magic, really. You know, they can they can yeah. pull out billions, trillions from anywhere. You know, it's just because it's literally it's literally just a way of writing it down. You know, and maybe you have to find some you have to invent yeah. some process to uh, to make that work. You know, you have to create a bond. You know, and then you yeah. you sell the bond. But I mean, you're just you're just writing a bond as well and yeah. selling it yeah, for yeah, yeah. for money. So it's it's a ridiculous situation, really. So it's this kind of shared belief. I think I'm, I'm, I'm quite optimistic that this kind of the drive to go cashless 
I think Sweden has quite has quite a big initiative. They want to go cashless maybe by 2025 or something like that. Is that right? For, Some, I, yeah, heard I don't know. I don't know if that's the the, the year, but yeah. Something like that. So mm. I think that's interesting. Because a lot of people are afraid of that, and kind of rightfully so, I suppose, because they don't they they won't feel in control of their money anymore. You can't hide money in your mattress anymore. You know, you have money which is just numbers in a bank account, but of course, somebody can just switch that off. You know, which, mm. uh, which mm. is kind of leave people a bit vulnerable. I could understand that, but I also think that um, removing the physical cash is a great way of actually. <laughs> seeing what it actually that. is yeah 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 weaning it all yeah seeing it for what it actually is and actually weaning off that thing because as long as we're holding hard notes and coins in our hand it, it feels like it has value has strength mm. or something but i think that uh yeah when it, when it goes down to like cryptocurrency is something similar as well I, I would advocate for that as well i think it's good it's a good thing because it also uh decentralizes that power a little bit and it also creates this sort of uh it kind of shatters the illusion of money a little bit because, well, actually, it is only just numbers. It's only like a big, it's a long hash code or something like that in the in the Bitcoin. And, Do you think the cryptocurrency is, is a stepping stone to a money? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. But I I would say we'll we'll go cashless before before Bitcoin and stuff will take over. I don't think Bitcoin or cryptocurrency will ever take over somehow. I think the cashless thing will probably will take over. Um, I think that yeah, I think that's. As we take ourselves away from that, that, that physical relationship with the money, I think that will help guide us towards maybe more, more of a um, community-focused um, point of view, if that makes sense. Um, the share bay thing, if I just talk about that for a second, if you don't mind, the share mm-hmm. bay is, sure. is the idea of that. And there are many sites like this. It's not just share bay. The share bay is just one that I started. But there are quite a few others that are actually doing really, really well. In the UK, you have sites called um, Helpful Peeps, which is about basically people just getting on and helping each other with, with some problem or moving furniture or whatever, you know, this kind of stuff. This is really good. Uh, there's another one called Olio, which is like a food sharing network, and they have like millions of users, you know, these guys. So it's, it's really good. So I think uh, lots of people, and I don't, I don't just mean radical people or revolutionary people, I think that lots of normal people middle-class people, shall we say, are starting to think more along this kind of sharing mindset. You also have uh, sites like FreeCycle, which has like, they have some millions of users as well. Um, there's Freegal in the UK. These are called, they're all basically things that offer free goods and services to people. So ShareBay is one of that. And my hope is that, um, that we, can, we can create basically an eBay, a free eBay or Amazon and actually get to to get to that sort of level of popularity that it actually becomes really useful for people and not just for like um, kind of niche sort of things like it is now, you know, it's very, there's very like quite low value items being shared there, you know, but eventually over time, if we, if more and more goods and services are being shared, then people will have more f- confidence in that system and they will share more. So yeah. that's, that's my thinking behind that. Fascinating. This is so interesting. And this topic is, I mean, it's uh, inexhaustible. So we could talk for hours, but I think we should perhaps start wrapping it up a little bit here. This share bay, is this, is that your next big project that you're doing or or, or do you have other big projects in the pipeline coming up soon here? 
Well, actually, the, the movie, oh, sorry, the, the book F Day is actually being written into a movie at the moment. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. I actually, I actually have, it, I have it right here beside me, actually. That's, yeah, that's the F, book I wrote. F Day is, is the title of the book, yeah. Yeah, it's called F Day, kind of Freedom Day, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, ah. great, it's a great story, actually. I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I'm saying what, what other people have told me. Yeah. Because it, it's basically like a countdown. The whole thing for the, the core is from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. It's like a countdown to a, to a world without money. So it kind of shows how... It unfolds. So I had a lot of interest from people who are actually kind of in the film business who are interested in uh, seeing a script for it. So I've been actually working on that now as well right. with a guy from. Um, so when uh, when is it when is it uh, coming out the film? Oh, <laughs> no idea. Well, well, we're just writing a spec script at the moment, which is basically just a script to try and get raise finance for it. You know, of course we have to we have to pay to get the movie made. You know, uh, obviously it's. Is what had been on my mind to try and make the movie for free, but it's just it's not it's mm. too much. It's impossible, impossible in this day and age. But I think that um, it could be a great vehicle for actually promoting that kind of story for people to create the different kind of mindset, different thinking. Sure. So yeah, I'm kind of quietly optimistic about that project. You know, it's one, there's been some interest in it, and the script so far sounds very nice. It's reading very mm. well. So yeah, Good. that's that's some progress. But yeah, my main. My main thing I'm working on now is the ShareBase site. Um, yeah. I'm trying to drive up user engagement and trying to get, get things running with that. But I'm very happy with it so far. Um, so the, the, the website for that is? ShareBase.org. .org. And yeah. your basic website for the, the whole project? Um, well, I have my own personal blog, uh, colinrturner.com. If anyone wants yeah. to look into, they can see, read about my projects and blogs and stuff on there. And yeah, that's probably a good central point for everything. Uh, Freeworldcharter.org uh, free yeah, free is the other one then if one wants to have a look and read that charter. Okay. Uh, it's probably a good um, starting point maybe for people to, to see there to see what's going on. Uh, yeah, but like you say, it's a, it's a big topic. There's so much we could discuss for hours on it. And, yeah. uh, but uh, I hope I've, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't even hope to to completely paint a com fully compelling picture in this short space of time because so much yeah. to talk about it. But maybe I've given some ideas, given some uh, perhaps, pointers. Perhaps there. we can talk again in the future when, you, when, when we are closer to the goal of a money-free world. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. maybe not. Yeah. Uh, Colin cool. Turner, thank you so much for being a guest on Mind the Shift and good luck with your exciting endeavor. Thanks a million, Andrews, and really good luck with the mind shifting. I will be sure to share this on my own network as well, because uh, the more I think we're all kind of going in the same, right same general direction, and I think that's a good direction. So, yep, that's a ship, and I'm on it. <laughs>